Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Lance, and today I am very happy to bring on a, a creator, writer, director, who has been the director of Power Rangers development and production for both Saban Brands and then for Hasbro, and has recently dropped their very first comic with the dead lucky over at image and will also be taking over at mighty morphin power rangers 101 over for boom studios so i just want to welcome melissa flores to comic book keepers hi good morning thank you so much for having me of course i i'm very excited uh just just so you know power rangers has kind of been a part of my upbringing so it, it's always fun getting to know more information about it and especially being able to go to the charge to 100 yeah. And at San Diego Comic-Con. That was, it was a lot of fun getting kind of that inside scoop of how the team really worked out. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like so often, a lot of times people just look at writer artist yeah. for, for books. But as your entire team showed, it, it was kind of this collaboration. So I, I'm just, yeah. I'm just curious as your role being director of Power Rangers of development production, how did like that role play into the the comic side of things? Well, um, so part of my job, and it was never just me, just, you know, there was a whole team at Saban Brands and again at Hasbro that would look at these books and give notes and ideas. Uh, but my job specifically, I was with the Power Rangers development production, and that just meant that anything with a story that was aimed at a little bit of an large, uh, older audience my job was to make sure that it was one didn't mess with canon or lore um, depending on what we felt that was for the particular project like for example meow rangers we weren't really worried about <laughs> whether or not that was going to affect the tv show yeah. um and two that it was the best power rangers type of story we could absolutely tell so the way it worked at um <coughs> excuse me at hasbro I mean, at Saban Brands was a little different than Hasbro. At Saban Brands, we had an amazing licensing team that worked with these people. And then because we were the lore masters and there's a lot of just 20 years, 30 years of Power Rangers now Mm -hmm. uh, to look at, we would also look and give story notes and give art notes just to make sure everything was okay. And then we also had a business affairs team that would take a look and we had a marketing team every once in a while. So it was a whole team. Um, but my job was more to focus on the story and the art to make sure it made sense. And then for Hasbro, uh, there was a publish a whole publishing team. Um, but again, I worked with them as the Power Rangers de facto, quote unquote, expert. Um, and so through that, what that really meant was, you know, every script, every story, every set of inks and colors, they would go through our team and, um, Depending on what it was, it, it wasn't just me and our team that looked at it. My boss, Brian Crescentini at the time, he would look at it. And through that, you developed a very close relationship with um, the editors and the writers at Boom. Because, unfortunately, they were victims of their own success, I think. They were just so good at what they did for Power Rangers. And I think, honestly, truly one of the most exciting things we did with Power Rangers was those Boom Studios books. Um that we were keeping a very close eye on them and what they were doing because we wanted to incorporate what they were doing in other areas of the brand. Um, so for example, uh, I also produced Hyperforce, which was a uh, role-playing game 
slash uh, scripted television series that we did for Twitch with Hyper RPG. And um, we, for our anniversary season, and we did a Shattered Grid Boom Power Rangers two episode special for them. Um, we did a video game called uh, Battle for the Grid with Enway. And uh, the story mode was based on Shattered Grid, the the event that we did for Boom Studios. Uh, Kyle Higgins, which is the writer, did a short called the Shattered Grid. Shattered Grid that was a promo film that was very good with Jason David Frank. Um, our our uh, product team had a lot of fun with those characters. You know, we had. I mean, they're still using those characters now. Uh, Ranger Slayer, Dragon, all these original characters that come from the boom books are showing up in product. So it was important to us to make sure that the, the books were in line with everything else we were doing. And, um, and so that was my job essentially. And thankfully uh, there was an amazing team at boom and an amazing set of writers and artists that they found. And I got to be part of that process. Yeah. And it's, it's been incredible being able to see the progression of the comic book storyline because as someone that grew up with the show obviously it's geared towards a certain age group and so as someone now that is in my 30s the show doesn't quite have like the rewatch appeal as it as it used to so when the when the comic came out though it it felt very much aged up and engaging and incorporated a lot of background and storylines that could keep an older reader basically reinvested into the comic and Power Rangers as a whole, like the way they felt when they were younger. Yeah, that was all Boom and Kyle, honestly. I mean, up until that, we had had Power Ranger comic books, but they weren't to the level, I think. And and not to say anything against those other books, they were very good, but they were written with a definite younger audience in mind. And when Boom Studios got the license, uh, Kyle came on board as a writer and he said something that always stuck with me. And he said, I'm not writing Power Rangers as it was. I'm writing Power Rangers the way it made me feel. And I think that's a very distinct difference. And what that allowed him to do was keep the spirit of Power Rangers, which was something we always wanted to do. One of the biggest problems we always had when people wanted to take on Power Rangers and age it up is uh, turn it into this like nitty gritty NC-17 kind of crazy. And there's a place for that, right? Um, you know, I think Eddie Shankar did this mm-hmm. crazy NC-17 movie that I personally was not a fan of. Um, I didn't, it didn't feel like Power Rangers to me. It felt more like I'm doing Power Rangers to shock people mm-hmm. th- rather than have any true love for the brand. And I do think there is a way to age up Power Rangers and make it resonate with an older audience and not have to have threesomes with Divatoxin Scorpina while on yeah cocaine you know and Kyle did that very very well he was really able to you 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 take away uh what happens in 22 minutes of Power Rangers which is you know you have to have a Megazord fight you have to have a civilian fight you have to have Rangers in action you have to have six characters and villains and you have to service all of them in 22 minutes while also servicing the toys and making sure there's call outs and repetition for the younger kids I take that away and you're left with these really interesting characters in a really interesting world. And um, he really did uh, an amazing thing of, of straddling that line of keeping true to what made the show fun for people and what 
makes the show interesting while also elevating what he as a writer found interesting, which for him, he found a way in through Tommy and what happens to a kid that has been brainwashed and tries to kill all his new friends and now is on the same team. And I thought that was really interesting and fun. And it was a lot of growing pains, of course, um, because we were new to the comic space in terms of the way that they were doing it. And, and so thankfully boom and Kyle both had a lot of patience with us. Um, but also, we also were trying to tread that line as well. Like I remember specifically early on, there were things that they wanted to do that were just like, Nope, you can't do it. And I think one of them um, was at the end of the first issue arc. They had like Kyle wanted to have Jason and Tommy like punching each other on a beach. And we were not ready for that. Um, we're like, no, <laughs> you can take a swing, but they can't start full on brawling on a beach. And um I mean, looking back on it now, it probably wasn't that bad. But, like, we we took that very seriously, almost too seriously, I think. But we had to. That was that was our brand. And, and kudos to Kyle and to Boom for being very patient with us and with me specifically and having to explain all this to them and having Because, you know, I mean, thankfully most of these notes were uh, over the phone or on te- or email. But I remember, like, a couple times we were in a room and Daphne was like, Melissa, really? And I'm like, I, I'm sorry. This is a note I have to give. But they were great and we were very lucky and um and i don't know if the books would have done as well if it hadn't been for kyle being the one to start them and then ryan obviously taking them over it, it was a phenomenal one-two punch with both of them because their their storyline flowed so well because you had ryan who at the same time was also working on go go power rangers and it it was just like that nice segue into when Kyle stepped away from the property that Ryan was able to join in. Uh, I love the fact that you brought up Kyle Higgins talking about making the comic f- uh, basically feel the way he felt about the show when he was younger, because yeah. that is exactly how I described the comic to my friends before I heard you say it at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, and it, and it it was like lightning. I was like, yes, that's exactly what this comic is about. the The fun thing is that with the TV show, they always had really fun crossovers. Whether they had Master Rider on, or they they did the the TMNT crossover later yeah. on, which is hit and miss with some people. But the comic itself, they're genius. They're yeah, they're crazy. But- uh huh. the The comic though has also done these really fun crossovers. They did the the Justice League crossover a few years ago, mm-hmm. and and currently right now, Colin Bunn is a part of the Godzilla Mighty Morphin Power Rangers crossover. I'm curious if yeah. if you've had to you had mentioned with Kyle, you had to like say certain things they couldn't do in the comics. Were you also involved in the decisions of which crossovers could and could not happen with Power Rangers? To a point, yeah. Again, I was one person on a very large team, so there was never, rarely was there ever a decision that was exclusively mine. We mm-hmm. had a business affairs team, um, most in particular uh, Jason Bischoff, uh, who whose whole job was to or um, to do contracts and to bring these licensees on board. Um, I mean, he was the one that was signing all these people. And, and so this part of that, that was part of his job is to find those people or, you know, look for opportunities for crossovers. We had uh, our amazing, uh, licensing team that would make sure everything was done well, um, with our licenses. And then we also had our marketing team. So it was really a team effort, no matter what, um, 
so when it came to these kind of crossovers, we absolutely had wish lists of things that we wanted to do. It wasn't always up to us when you have two big licenses. Um, everybody has to be on board. I mean, one specific that I really wanted to do that we never got to do, which bummed me out, was Buffy. I really oh. wanted to do a Buffy Power Rangers crossover. I oh, my gosh. Um, or a Buffy Scooby-Doo. I think those two would have been amazing. Um, but I was really excited with the ones we got. I remember... Uh, Justice League came about very organically. DC was really interested in doing it. And um, we were thankfully able to get Tom Taylor for it, which was very cool. Um, and they were great. Uh, there was a couple things that I can't talk about, but I was like bummed that we weren't able to get <laughs> into the story. Uh, but we still were able to use some really cool things. And um, Turtles, uh, it was so funny because Turtles, I actually had lunch at comic-con the year before we did turtles with ryan parrot and it's just one of those things i did or i wanted to always get to know the writers on a personal level so i would try and meet with them at comic-con and take them to breakfast or take them to lunch just to you know figure out who they were and try to like connect outside of the licensee licensor yeah absolutely perspective and i remember asking him like if you had a dream project what would you want it to be and he said turtles and power rangers yes. and so when jason came over and said hey uh there might be a turtles power rangers crossover i'm like get ryan ryan needs to do this and uh, thankfully everybody had already agreed so um and now he's doing the second one which yes. is great but yeah it's funny how things turn out uh you don't expect uh, the world to go the way that it does. And so it was really cool to see that actually happen and to see it in product now and still in product, you know, they just saw, they just released a Funko shredder, which I thought was very cool. Yeah. So, I need that um, green ranger shredder. I thought that was incredible. If I didn't have like zero room, I'd be trying to buy all that stuff now still, but it was, it's been very cool to, to see where they go. I mean, the Godzilla, I obviously after my time, but we got to do a Street Fighter Power Rangers crossover with Enway, which was really fun. And um, I always had get a kick out of those because as much as I love Power Rangers, you can only do some one brand for so long before you're just like, okay, maybe it's time to try something else. So being able to do those other licenses and to work on those was always really fun for me. I am happy that you brought up Power Rangers Hyperforce yeah. because I, I didn't know before doing research for this episode that you were a part of that uh whole yeah. kind of event because i thought it was one of the coolest things during during the pandemic my friends were kind of we had a ton of time on our hands so we got more into like rpg playing yeah and so when power rangers rpg started up with that show it was like oh this is a no-brainer something i want to check out with them showing up now multiple times in the comics i, I was just curious how much how much of because you were writing on it and directing it how much were you able to help kind of design those characters or, or backstories like how how much were you involved with that side of things oh extremely that was my show um that was like essentially i was eic the executive in charge that was my show um so i was involved with every little bit of it um thankfully we had an incredible licensee hyper rpg who we um we paid to do 25 episodes and they were extremely passionate and great people. Malika and Zach uh, worked very, very hard on that show. And, but basically the way it happened was um, 
Bischoff, Bischoff's wife, uh, was on Hyper RPG on a show called Pencils. No, not was it Pencils and Parsecs? I don't remember. It was a Star Wars themed RPG, and she was a cast member on that show. And so they got to know Jason through that, and then Jason brought them to us and said, "Hey, they really want to pitch a Power Rangers RPG." And at the time, I knew the only reason I knew of Critical Role was because I had worked on a show called Glitter Force. And Mary Mary Elizabeth McGlynn and uh, Laura Bailey, I'd gotten to know them because they were on Glitter Force. Mary was the voice director and Laura was our lead. And uh, Glitter Lucky, I think. And um, and they would talk about playing D&D on Saturday nights. And I thought they were just in a basement somewhere playing D&D. And I didn't realize it was a critical role. Yeah, it was the, the biggest D&D yeah, streaming and, and, show and, out there. I got to know all those guys because they came in like to do voices for Glitter Force <laughs> and for Digimon and Kaibo Clashers. So it was really funny. Um, that's how I got to know of it. And thankfully I did. And I got really excited by it. And, and it was a weird pitch because not a lot of people knew what it was meant to be they're like you just want to do a tabletop game it's like no we want to do a scripted season of power rangers as a celebration to the 25th anniversary this is kind of our way and what i really loved about it was that because you're sitting down at a table you don't have to worry about <clears throat> whether people are camera ready you don't have to worry about budget you don't have to worry about uh how long do we have all you have to worry about is that the imagination of the game master casting the right people and coming up with cool designs and thankfully <clears throat> marketing was very supportive which i thought was honestly surprised me because i thought it was gonna be a harder sell they were like no here here's a hundred thousand dollars go and do your thing um which i credit them for because i don't think anybody else would have been like hey what <laughs> no <laughs> and we were very lucky that they said yes and um, and then at the same time, uh, Yoshi and Peter Sudarso uh, had come, came to us, and I had already known Peter or, and Yoshi for quite some time because uh, they were cast members on mm -hmm. Power Rangers. And Yoshi before that was a stunt guy. And I, when I was working my way up through Power Rangers, one of my jobs is when I was a coordinator was to go out with the stunt rangers and make sure that the costumes were good and that they were good and, and just help with them. So Yoshi and I became very close because he was one of those guys before he actually was ever on the show. And so we stayed friendly. And so he called me and he said, we want to pitch you guys a Power Rangers RPG. And I'm like, well, we're kind of already doing one. So <laughs> we can't do yours, but maybe you could come and do ours. And Yoshi got a movie and so was not able to be on the original cast, but Peter was still available and Peter is also an artist. So um, Peter was really excited. And so he was able to, he helped us design the suits. So, and, and with always, you know, you give feedback and you give little things that change the suit. So um, it's always a teamwork, a team effort, no matter what, but he was the artist that put together the suits and uh, him and another artist uh, worked on the helmets together. And then, you know, we had other people working on the Zords. And so then it became a matter of just finding the right people to fill in the roles. And we knew we wanted Peter to be the Red Ranger because we hadn't had an Asian American Red Ranger and we really wanted him to do that. We knew we wanted a super fan on the, on the past. Um, Andre. I, am, I immediately thought of Andre. I had worked with yep. Andre on a couple other things. I always been very impressed by him. I thought he was very funny. And I thought he was very respectful to the brand. And I thought, um, 
that he'd be really good for it. And thankfully he said yes. Uh, and then I wanted Polly. Polly yes. and I had gotten very friendly and very close in when he was on Power Ranger Samurai. And we had stayed friends. And I truly think he is one of the most brilliant, kindest men that I've ever met in my life. He is just so magnetic and so charismatic and just such a good guy. And, um, and I wanted him to be a real ranger this time. Uh, and so we brought him on board and then it became a matter of casting the girls. And uh, thankfully through Yoshi and Peter, we found both Christina and Megan and that filled out our cast. But one of the really special things about Power Rangers Hyperforce was that we could also bring back other cast members um, that were former Rangers that we weren't usually able to get for anniversary seasons because they're union or because they can't fly to New Zealand or for any other reason. But thankfully I had worked really hard. Um, and so did hyper RPG on creating in these relationships with these actors and they were able to trust us and say, yes. So we got to have Aaron Cahill, um, who had not been able to come back to the show because she was union and mm. the series in New Zealand is not. And, um, and she came back on the show as our mentor because yeah. we, we decided to do a time four season. And then we also got Karen Ashley. Um, one of my personal favorite guys, um, Karen's amazing, by the way, too. But um, Cameron Jeebo, we got to do a super mega four season. So the whole idea of Hyperforce was that you were able to use the hyperspace jet to jump around to all these different times periods. And so it didn't matter whether or not a character was older than they were as a teenager, because you're sitting at a table, you can play yourself at 17. And that was, I think the brilliance of Hyperforce is that we got to just really celebrate Power Rangers in an anniversary year in a really fun, fun way. And not a lot of people got it at first, but once they did, people just like jumped on board in a really fun way. And wouldn't have been the same without the people at Harper RPG. Obviously, they put their blood, sweat, and tears into it. But I, I mean, I was there every episode on set. I worked very hard on that show, and I'm very proud of um, how people have responded to it. Because it, it was something we absolutely genuinely loved. And it was, an, again, an opportunity to create synergy in the brand. Um, we were able to do that boom, shattered grid crossover, which I was really excited to do, and to bring Kyle on board to helped us write those two episodes and to bring Jason David Frank back back to play Draken. Like that was really, I feel like those are really special moments and credit to boom. Um, they were super supportive of hyperforce and they would constantly, you know, through their own prerogative would put them on covers. You know, we did a WonderCon exclusive cover and we did a signing that was really special and that sort of thing. So it was very much an all hands on deck kind of thing, but um, we were so thankful to our licensees, um, Boom Studios and Lootbox and uh, N-Way that would like support the show, even though nobody had any idea what it was or what it could be. And I was yeah. bummed we didn't get a second season, but unfortunately that was out of my hands. We got bought by Hasbro right when it came out. Yeah. <laughs> we were ready to get to get our second season. Yeah, I I was bummed about that because I had I had shared that show with with quite a few of my friends and and, and you can tell how much love and and work was put into the series because having all those different uh, people that were associated with the show beforehand to come back in yeah. was just so much fun to legitimately get to see Jason David Frank play Draken, who is one of the greatest new characters brought into the Power Rangers universe was phenomenal. Yeah, uh, he had such a good time with that too. It, it seemed yeah. like it. He, he seemed like he liked playing the bad guy. 
I mean, yeah, it was just an opportunity to to really like play with stuff that a lot of people, these older fans, you know, can make fun of. And um, like I remember even bringing back Cameron. I'm like, I want to do a Super Mega Force episode because some so many of the older fans just don't like Super Mega Force. And honestly, I want to redeem it. I feel like we can. <laughs> and I'm like, and I feel like if anybody's going to help us, it should be Cameron because I freaking loved Cameron. He's such a good, he's such a good, good guy, and he's so funny. And so we got to do some really fun stuff that episode. I think actually became a really episode that people liked. We got to do a Christmas episode that was freaking hilarious. And we had Zach play Santa and we turned <laughs> Santa into a ranger. I mean, we had some crazy things. I mean, we're like, we even did like a King Arthur episode where the Arthur, where the King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, their own version of rangers. And kudos to all the actors for trusting us because not they don't all come from an improv background. You know, I mean, Aaron Cahill was the first one that said yes and she is a scripted actress and a very successful one. And um, we were just so lucky that she was just like, sure, yeah, I'll do it. I like this is the whole thing I can do uh, for Power Rangers. And, and she has nothing but love for the franchise. And I do remember she showed up and she's like, what am I doing? Where's my script? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> there is no script. But here are some points that we'd like you to hit. And she's like, what? <laughs> she's like, you just like the whole two hours. She just was so such a trooper. Then afterwards, she's, I was like, are you OK? And she's like, yeah, but just next time, just make sure you tell people what they're in for. <laughs> she's so nice. Like, I love her so much. She's such a sweetheart. Um, and I was like, good note. We'll do that. And um, and we didn't. Um, she was able to film a couple more things for us. And and. We got Christopher McKinley, Mike, Mike Jen, who actually is now a very close friend of mine. I met through Hyperforce. You know, we got to bring him back for RPM. But even uh, Super Megaforce, there was like this one thing that always bugged me in Super Megaforce. And that was in uh, Orion's backstory, which is a character Cameron Jebo plays. He like uses a slingshot to bring down a spaceship. And I always thought that was the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> and I remember being like, let's change that. Let's make it so that the Hyperforce Rangers bring it down for him. And then he just tells people that he did it with a slingshot. And it was yes. like that little kind of stuff that just like made the series for me because we just got to play and have fun and um, and not take ourselves too seriously. But I think it, it truly was. Besides, um, I think my favorite projects were number one, the, the comic books, two, the video game, and three, Hyperforce. They were just so much fun to work on. I love the fact that Andre got brought in because yeah. he like watching his videos because I had I had watched his YouTube channel for years at that point and how much enthusiasm he had for the franchise. He it was it was basically like seeing when he was on the show, it was like every single fan was on the show like he was yeah. the placeholder. Well, that's what we wanted too. We wanted an it was an anniversary season, and it was meant to be a love letter to the fans. It was meant to be like, "Hey, this is for you. This is literally for you. We are going to do a deep dive the way we've never done it before. We're going to give you twenty five episodes of just pure, unfiltered fan fun." And it just made sense to have a super fan be a part of that because what is more wishful wish fulfillment than having a super fan become a ranger? And um, and it wasn't. I feel like for Andre, it was a burden in a sense because he was taking on that role for so many people, but he absolutely killed it. I mean, he, Crushed was, it. he became our lore master. He became our super fan on the show in terms of, he, you know, Eddie knew all about Rangers and we incorporated that into the series and it became some of the most special moments. And, and I truly was impressed by his storytelling 
and um, and his role playing. And he was absolutely the perfect choice, I thought. Plus, it allowed us to do with both him and Polly, but especially Polly, different styles of rangers that we're not able to do on the show. You know, um, Polly was a plus size ranger and we were really yes. proud of that. We wanted that. And um, and we wanted a female black ranger. And there were things that we were able to do because this isn't stuff we're filming um, that we we're able to get away with. And it was a lot of fun. I, I will say I love the Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid board game. And yeah. when they did the expansion for Hyperforce, all of those characters are so good. Vesper is wow. so OP, though. <laughs> I love it. Is she really? She's so I, good. I have it. I just haven't. Nobody wants to play the Power Rangers game with me. <laughs> My girlfriend. We'll play it, we'll play it over yeah. Zoom. I, yes. I, did, I did it during the pandemic. I swear I had it all set up. I would be happy to play with you. <laughs> I would love that because, honestly, I have all of it. I, well, so I have the Kickstarter edition. I don't have any of the new expansions, but I have the Kickstarter edition. I have everything. <laughs> and because I, I, I backed the Kickstarter. <laughs> they're like, no, well, you don't have to. Buy. I'm like, no, I'm going to back it. But, um, but yeah, it was, that was the first time we got to see Hyperforce in actual physical form. And, you know, we got Dan Mora to do the art. And it just. Yes. Cons- I mean, we had, there were things that um, we had the weapons. We just were never able to really use the graphics to their full extent. So to be able to give them to Dan and be like, here's what it looks like. And then have him create the, that art. Like he's, he's wonderful, by the way. We're just so, we were so, we're so lucky to ha- continually have him on Power Rangers, um, especially when he's doing such amazing work with DC. Yeah. I, I still don't understand how he's able to pull off everything he does. It he's is incredible. He, and it he is loves Rangers, wild. and that makes us happy. Yeah, I was he I was talking Rangers. I was talking to Ryan, and he mentioned he thinks that Dan just has a, a twin brother in the basement, just chained there, just he's, doing work at the same time. He's so fast, and he's so strong, and I don't know how he does it, but I am not questioning our good fortune at all. No, never. Uh, with you mentioned Polly too, and I thought that was so much fun bringing Bulk back like or the actor who played bulk because in the comic in the coinless universe bulk basically had a redemption storyline yeah so to me in my head it was also kind of like Polly being able to have that redemption and being able to play a hero which yeah. which was just so much fun to see yeah i mean we we gave we made bulk and skull rangers in the comic books but it was kind of a one-off just like fun yeah. little story and um again i love Polly and we wanted to do things that were different and we wanted to bring a former ranger back on, on the cast, but we didn't want to just take another ranger and make them their character again. We wanted to, it, the intention was always, if we can get Polly, let's get Polly. Uh, because he, he is a D and deer. He does play those games already. And um, he's an extremely magnetic, cool guy. It allows us to get a, uh, a different body type for rangers. And a different, we wanted somebody older that was more grounded that could lead these teenagers uh, through all this stuff. And it just made sense to get Polly. And again, I'm a huge fan of him. I think he's brilliant. And, um, and again, it was just the perfect timing, the perfect opportunity. And we were really lucky that he said yes. Yeah, so much fun. And I love the fact that Jack Thomas is just ripped. He's so yeah, big. He's just a strong, strong dude. Yeah. And, and so the, the reason why I wanted to talk about this was just so that everyone listening can understand how involved you've been with Power yeah. Rangers over the years. Yeah. 
And it's so exciting to have someone with all this experience and love for the franchise taking over for Ryan Parrott when he finishes with issue 100 and you taking over at 101. You're kind of leading in this, uh, it's called the recharged era, correct? You know, I think that's what they're calling it. I, knowing what I know about the arc and what I'm doing, I wouldn't necessarily call it a recharged era. I think we're doing something very interesting, but they definitely, uh, that is definitely what they're calling it. Okay. Okay. I didn't know if that was like an official. I don't actually know. I'm going to be honest. Um, I don't know what they're calling this arc, but if it's called the recharged era, that works for me. It's good for me. I I, honestly, they kind of, they got me to work right away. So I've just been just head in the sand churning out scripts yeah. <laughs> so i haven't really been focused on what the marketing team has been doing but i am very excited to be a part of the team and honestly it is it is absolutely a dream come true because again this is one of my favorite parts of working uh, with the franchise and to be i was there literally the first pitch the first issue with with kyle and then you know to see it go from kyle to marguerite who i thought did amazing things on beyond the grid and her contrib- contribution to the lore with the Morphin Masters and um, the Zeo Crystal Planet and everything with that dimension, I thought was brilliant. She was so smart. And um, when she came in and pitched it to us, my mind was blown. It was amazing. And then to have Ryan on board who did Go-Go and he did Aftershock, which was the movie one shot. He just was incredible. And he was the perfect person to take over for Kyle. And, um, and then Matt in his run, we have these incredibly amazing writers that do amazing things and it is a little intimidating and frightening to go from the person who gets the scripts and is just in charge of giving notes on whether or not the stripe is right or this makes sense for the brand to actually being asked to come up with the stories but i am excited for the challenge and um and what i really want to do is i don't want to throw anything away i don't want to do i mean i worked just as i worked very hard on every one of these arcs uh so I want to honor them and I want to do justice to them. And I want my run, um, however long it lasts to feel like a natural continuation of everything that people have done before. So, um, it, it was intimidating when they asked me, but in honor, uh, I know and love every single one of these guys. We all work together on the dead lucky, uh, on the Massiverse, And, um, and thankfully they've all been incredibly supportive and um and boom has been incredibly supportive and it's been really nice because i I, when i i left power rangers um not of my own choice which was fine that's what happens um in that kind of industry so it was nice to be able to come back and actually finish my time with power rangers in this way it felt better to do it the way i would want to do it as opposed to the way it actually happened if that makes sense yeah Uh, oh absolutely now, because you've been associated with Power Rangers for so long, are there kind of elements or storylines that you thought of or you wanted to incorporate when the oh, other yeah. authors were in that you're going to bring in? Oh yeah, I, I I mean this is not a this is not a secret at least for anybody that knows me, but probably a secret for other people. Um, I have been trying to get Zini, uh, Trini, and Zach together for a hundred issues. <laughs> And I feel like they've set it up perfectly. So I feel like we can finally do it because in Power Rangers Pink, which is a mini series we did, they're together. Yeah. And I've always loved that. And I'm just like, how do we get them there? <laughs> and and then Ryan made them have a baby. <laughs> and I was like, perfect. 
now they have a baby. They're in love and they have no idea. And now I just got to get them to realize it. So I think that's probably one of the first question I asked. I was like, can I finally get Zach and Trini together? And they're like, sure. And I'm like, great. Yes. So that is something that uh, I will be working towards. And hopefully people will go with me. Because I know that Trini and Jason had a relationship uh, in in this run. But I feel like uh, her true love is Zach. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I will prove it. <laughs> I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. That sounds super fun. And I'm glad... It's kind of like the segue because you brought it up is I want to talk about your first ever published comic book, yes. The Dead Lucky, which uh, just recently came out. I have my copy right here Yay. and it is it's so good. It, oh, thank you so much. It's a fantastic story. As someone that it's, it's your first time writing a book, I just want to say and and I just want this not to come off offensive at all, but it does not read like someone's first issue of writing a comic book. Thank you so much. Whatsoever. Uh, it has so much character depth, development in a single issue, which is very hard to do, while also kind of giving you the other characters that are going to be part of the story and and then just giving like a general outline of what's to come. And it yeah. does everything so well. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I am very lucky. Well, I mean, I when I was with Power Rangers uh, for 10 years. And before that, I worked in development. So um, I wasn't a stranger to writing. And I definitely was able to hone my skills. Um, Part of my job was to help writers tell the best stories they could possibly tell. And you're not a good development executive if you can't give good notes on how to make (laughs) stories better. Um, Otherwise, you're just one of those jackasses that ends up on Twitter tweets giving really dumb notes. And I I gave my share of those, for (laughs) sure. But... um, but I mean, I think that's also why uh, I was able to be friendly with Kyle and with Ryan and with these amazing writers is because the, the notes I gave them was never, um, this is how I would tell your story. This is, it was respecting the narrative and respecting the arc and what they were trying to do. And so when I left Power Rangers, um, I really wanted to finally, I was getting to the point uh, where I was bored. Um, I had done books for six years the tv show i i i love power rangers but the tv show was never my favorite thing about it if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and um we had done the feature um there were things i felt like i it was time for me to try something else and to challenge myself a little more and so when i had actually left rangers i had conversations with a couple of people that i really respected um, that were creatives in the industry and producers. And I, and I asked them a very frank question. I said, hey, I am thinking instead of going and being another development executive somewhere else and probably be bored to tears because there's no other job that I've ever had like Power Rangers where I can work on all this different stuff and I'll probably just be on television series, which sounds really boring now because I love everything else I'm doing like comic books. I'm thinking of trying to be a writer and I'm curious based on what you know about me what you think my chances are and I need you to be super honest. And, um, and I asked people like Amanda Cruz, who is a producer uh, and a movie producer and video game producer. I worked on with Lionsgate. I'd I'd talked to people like Kyle and they were all very honest with me. Like, look, it's not going to be easy, but based on what we know of you, I think you absolutely can do it. And, um, and because I put myself out there like that, thankfully Kyle knew that I was trying to do this. And so I was working on other projects and pitching other projects, but um, 
we stayed close. And with Radiant Black taking off the way it did, um, mass, the Massiverse became a thing. And so he had asked me. I had done a couple things already with him. I had done an Unleashed backup series, and I had done a couple of one-shots for him. So he knew at that point that I could write comics and that I could do it with him and do it well. And so he asked, he's like, hey, do you want to pitch a uh, massive verse book? And it's a very lucky, I think, opportunity for me. You know, you don't just get somebody asking you to pitch an image book to them. Um, but of course, I took the opportunity. And um, and it was it's if it's if it's good. Um, I will never take all the credit for that. I uh, work with an incredible artist and I have an incredible editor in Michael Busatil and uh, Kyle consults on every book. And Ryan has given me incredible advice. And thankfully, these guys are just so supportive of me. And I don't think Kyle would have let me produce a bad book. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I put together the pitch. He helped me uh, get it in front of the right people. And, and definitely we got it approved. You know, we got the image book on our own in sense like, but it wouldn't have happened without him. And it continues to not happen without him. And uh, he, he gives very good notes every issue. And this was one of them. I mean, I, you work with the team no matter who you are. And, um, Thankfully, we've had enough of a relationship these last six years that we respect each other mutually. We respect each other's talent. And he trusted in me that I could do this book and Image trusted me too. And put the best possible team together and helped me create the best possible designs with these incredible artists. And that's how the Dead Lucky came about. I'm, I'm just very lucky. Every one of these guys are so supportive. The new, you know, Cherish and Megan are great. Like we just have a really good team. Most of us work together already on Power Rangers. We know what we're like. And, um, but this is something we're doing for ourselves. And I am just so thankful that people have responded well to Dead Lucky because it's a very personal book for me. Um, it's very different from Radiant Black and Rogue Sun and Inferno Girl Red. And I'm glad that people took a chance on, on what is essentially, I am a new writer. This is my first published book, but, um, I'm very grateful that it doesn't read that way. And if it, if it's, it's literally only because I have incredible people supporting me and giving me very honest feedback and helping me through this process. That was probably one of my favorite things at San Diego Comic-Con was being able to see all of your interactions with one another on the stage before, like before, during, and after the panels, because it was clear that you all have a very good relationship with one another and, and you, you do bounce these ideas off of one another. That, it was just really fun to see that those relationships had translated from working on Power Rangers over to the massive verse. Yeah. I mean, even with Power Rangers, I, when um, Ryan was told that I was jumping on the books and taking on after him, he called me and he's like, this is great. This is amazing. Like, this is perfect. This makes absolute sense. Kyle, who hasn't been on all the books in years, was like, this is incredible. This is perfect. It feels right. Matt, so supportive. Was like, this is great. I'm so proud of you. Like, and every single one of them was like, if you need anything, just let us know. And even at C2E2, we were all there together. We were talking about the book and they were giving me advice and giving me, you know, hearing out what I was thinking and what I was having planned. And like, well, that sounds really cool. Here's what, like my, here's my idea. And if not for Massiverse, I wouldn't have Power Rangers because the Dead Lucky proved 
that I could write a book. And I think that was what the editors at Boom needed to show people to be like, yeah, we want Melissa for this book, not just because she has this amazing history and knows the book from the very beginning, but also because she can write. Yeah. Um, but I also wouldn't have the Massiverse without Power Rangers. So it feels very connected to me. And thankfully, um, these writers are all the same people. And um, I'm just grateful and humbled to be able to have the opportunity to do both. Because yeah, it's it. truly something I never would have imagined two years ago. And we were talking about that. We were like, if you imagine, like, this is where we are two years ago. We have this incredible universe and image that we are all putting together. And it is freaking cool. And we're just having so much fun. And yeah. it feels like a dream come true. And it doesn't feel real. But I'm so happy that it is. Because the Massiverse is freaking awesome. And we're having a good time. And I think it shows. Oh, very much so. The, the Massiverse is such a fun concept because it's all of these it, there's no limits on what you're able no. to do now because it's creator owned work you're able to tell the stories that you really want to tell without having to worry about staying on brand with yeah. a particular ip and it, it was so much fun being able to see a glimpse of your character bibiana it, at the end of the super massive issue yeah. and now we get to read more about her story and who she is as a character and I, I love the the combination that you made with this character of your of yourself, like your background as well as your partners. So yeah. I was just I was just curious if you would be able to just talk about Bibiana and, and her background and, and what it really means and what it brings to the story. Yeah. So um Kyle when Kyle asked me to put together a, a superhero story, um, I thought about who the superheroes are in my life and who what would I want to do if I wanted to create a superhero and what felt right to me was, you know, who is the superhero in my life? Well, it's my partner. My partner is a U.S. Army veteran. Um, she was a helicopter pilot. She was a medic. Uh, she's done these incredible things. Um, and yet she does not feel like she's done anything sometimes. And I always thought, always threw me. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting character for a comic book. And, and so I was like, I would love to do a character, um, a soldier who has survivor's guilt and PTSD and not sensationalize either one, just have that be a part of who she is and her journey and her growth and have her literally living with her ghosts. Um, the guilt that she feels after coming home and feeling like she has done nothing but seeing the exact opposite is true. And um, that felt like a really good story for me. But I, I talked to Sandra about it first. I was like, this is something I really want to try and pitch. And I want to make sure you're okay with it because this won't be you. I will make sure of that. But it is very much inspired by you and inspired by people like you. And a couple years before that, we had lost our friend Zach, who was one of her best friends uh, to suicide. And he was a veteran. And, um, and there was just something really painful about the idea that you don't stop losing people even after you come home. And, um, and so this was kind of my attempt to understand that and also to honor that a little bit. And so Bibiana, obviously her own character, um, but very much inspired by soldiers, uh, expected to come home and not be affected by everything that they were asked to do in their time of service. And I wanted to put that in San Francisco because San Francisco is a very unique city. It's 
very much a collision of old history and new tech. And that is what I wanted the book to be. I, I love uh, movies like Robocop, Blade Runner. Uh, I was obsessed with Cyberpunk 2077, uh, Iron Giant. I've always been obsessed with the idea of robots and new technology and cybernetics. And I love the idea of mixing that with the paranormal, with uh, ghosts and especially when the Chinese and Mexican cultures where we're a little more comfortable with the dead and what that looks like when you put the two of them together. Cause I feel like rogue son does a really good job of looking at new Orleans and playing up the supernatural elements of that city. And I feel like dead lucky kind of, even though we play in the same world, she has ghosts um, they're very different. They're energy ghosts. They don't talk back. They just kind of live with her and help her and she uses them to possess machines. But it's very much of a, a robot book and it's very technolog technologically flavored. And um, But you can't have a superhero book, as fun as it is, uh, without some very real pain, I think, and very real uh, character uh, to ground it with. And that's kind of where BB comes from. And that's why we start her in therapy, because uh, I wanted people to see this as a person first. You start with, you know, we start with this beautiful image of what she, she sees, like her nightmare self, and then you actually see who she really is. And she's still this badass woman, but you see her as a human first, and before you start seeing the superhero version of her, because she doesn't see herself as that way. And her journey is going to be a journey of healing, but it is that weird uh, kind of conundrum of, well, if she moves on with her grief, then the ghosts go away and then she doesn't have her powers anymore. <laughs> stops being a hero. So will she ever be able to move on? I don't know, but that is her, the book ends when BB heals and um, healing is a lifetime process. So we'll figure that out i think yeah that that sounds incredible uh another thing that you brought up at san diego comic-con uh, again and you brought it up here is about like the cultural background of bb yeah. so having the the mexican culture as well as chinese culture and what you said at the con was about how both of these cultures honor the dead yes. and how you wanted to incorporate that into the storyline and for me i didn't even think about that beforehand and it immediately clicked with the design of this character yeah, and it, it immediately made the story even more compelling for me because it, it's not only does this individual have life experiences that have brought them to this point in their life. They also have this culture that they were clearly raised in that's yes. going to affect how they're interacting with these uh, like force ghosts that yeah. type storyline it or energy ghosts. And it, it just like fit perfectly in my brain, how the story will flow. Yeah, she, so um, I've been with Sandra a really long time, you know, about 10 years. And so through that, I've gotten to know the Chinese culture fairly well. And um, it always struck me how similar our cultures really are, both the Mexican American culture and the Chinese culture. And I feel like both of those people are, are underrepresented when it comes to superheroes. And so I felt like I was in the unique position to create a biracial character. Um, 
also an homage to my nieces because my nieces are biracial. And um, I always find it fascinating how they navigate their um, their world because they're very culturally Mexican, but they're also white. And there's so many of us that are like that, you know, the longer yeah. you stay in this country, you know, the more you assimilate and the more you're, you still could be, you know, half Mexican, but be very much Mexican. We still sing Las Mañanitas with every birthday, you know, and, and my dad is an immigrant from Mexico, but their, their dads are white guys from Ohio. And it changes how you view the world and how you view your culture. And for Bibi, um, I really wanted to to celebrate both cultures. It was really important to me that she become from Chinatown, and um, and that she have a Mexican mom and a Chinese dad because I really wanted to represent those cultures, but also show how similar they can be, and how that might affect somebody who is also very much an American. You know, she does not see herself as a biracial child of immigrants or whatever that she is. Um, and she's not, her parents are, were born here as well, but she, um, she sees herself as a soldier and who just happens to be biracial and pansexual and all these other things that people might just look. But the problem when you're that person is that people will look at you and that's all they see sometimes. Yeah. And, um, and it's happened to me. It's happened to Sandra. It's happened to my nieces. And, um, and so I kind of wanted to have that in the book just in different ways, because I think people assume things about you when you're certain things. And it's been fun to play with those, play with those expectations, even in the smallest ways. Like one of the things that people seem to really respond to is food. Yes. So, so everybody's asked me about the media bows and if they exist, I'm like, well, they're gonna now. Um, (laughs) hundred percent. They need to. It was one of those things where you just I really wanted to show like you could very easily make it a joke that their mom that her mom and her dad run this like Chinese Mexican barbecue fusion restaurant. But what I really wanted was to be like, no, this works. Here's why. And this food is going to sound so delicious that you're going to be mad that you can't go. And, and so that's yeah. what we've been doing. And it's been fun. It, it fits so well just because gr- growing up in San Diego there's so many different restaurants that are fusion restaurants because so many different cultures have come to this area and have it and it's just grown and so we get this fun mix so there's like uh mexican sushi infused restaurants down in chula vista that i absolutely love and and my wife is uh Peru, her her mom is from Peru, dad's from the U.S., and so she also incorporates both of those cultures together in the way she cooks because exactly. she's yeah. she's a she's a chef and a baker. Oh my god, good for you, lucky man. Yes, very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just fun because she incorporates like those flavors from her mom's culture and and just plays with them a little bit more. And and so when I read the steamed bao with birria. I immediately was like, yes, that is such a thing that would be a part of the storyline. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things, too, that, you know, I mean, Sandra is not technically on this book, but she's very much a part of it. And she's been so supportive. And I've been so lucky uh, because I am I'm really telling a very personal thing. And people could very easily be like, no, that's you. And even though I've tried to make it clear, it's not it's not her. But like we were at a party recently and somebody came up to her and asked her if she talks to herself. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but like she's um she's she helps me like come up with the recipes and she reads every issue for accuracy because I'm not a soldier. And so I like I remember she'd be like, don't they don't use those kind of guns and they wouldn't be doing that. And like so 
she's so supportive and I'm so thankful because this book wouldn't exist without her. I wouldn't be able to tell this kind of story without her. And she's been giving me these incredible ideas in terms of, you know, I, I asked her, like when I started putting down BB and her platoon, I'm like, okay, what would they each be doing? If she's a captain, who's ghost, who's tanky, who's spaceman, um, what would they do? How would this work? And, um, and thankfully I have a living consultant that <laughs> helped me figure all that out and be like, well, this would probably, would, would, would they be? And she's also a very good cook. And so, um, I was like, Hey, I should probably like pay somebody to like put this recipe together. She's like, I'll do it. So, so she's putting these recipes together for me and we're working together on being like, okay, what's this issues fusion recipe? Because we don't like, what's, what's the Mexican component? What's the Chinese component? What's the barbecue? And it's been really fun um, for us to be able to work together on that. Uh, it's, again, something I never thought we'd be able to do together. And it's just been really fun. And there's so much love put into the storyline. It, it like flies off the page. It's it, it's just there. I hope so. We just uh, we just did the proof for issue two. It's going to FOC is on Monday. Um, and we're <clears throat> so we're about to send it to the printer. And I just like I'm so nervous about it because I know issue two is where people decide whether or not they're going to stick with the series. And I'm like, is this enough? Is there enough here to make people want to stay? And I feel like I just have to, I have to just let go at this point and just be like, look, I'm telling the story I want to tell and hopefully people will jump on board. And if not, that's okay. So and I'll just keep telling the story as long as I can. I'll, I'll be honest. When we were live tweeting the Massiverse panel, that was probably some of the biggest uh, like interaction we've ever had. So there's a lot of people very excited about this world and especially this new character that's coming into play because I feel like Bibiana is going to be able to connect with a lot of different people. And it, it's, it's just a fun character to, to see progress. You know, it's funny. I didn't even, because I live in Los Angeles. I see brown people all the time. Um, that's just part of what it feels. I've lived in LA my whole life that when I've gone to other cities and I don't see brown people, it throws me off. <laughs> um, but I was in C2E2, I was in Chicago, and the amount of people that came up to me that were Latinos who were talking about how much it meant to them to have a Latino superhero in the massive verse, I don't know why, and I feel stupid, but it shocked me. I was just like, oh, wow, you know what? This is important. <laughs> like, it didn't even, I just wanted the representation because I'm Latino, but it didn't occur to me that people would just be so excited about one. I've had people come up because it's a mixed character. Mm -hmm. um, and people are very excited to have a mixed character, um, but also people come in because they were because it's an Asian character or it's a Latino character, and it made me realize how important it is that I continue to put those little bits of culture in the book because I don't I never want it to be a Mexican book, um, but it, the culture has informed who who I am, and it, her the Asian culture has informed who Sandra is, and I think even for people that are not biracial or Latino or Chinese, um, it'll be enough, I think, to just have them exist in a world and have people rooting for, for them. Just like we're asked to root for white characters all the time. Yeah. And we do. <laughs> so hopefully people <laughs> will do the same thing for Bibi because it doesn't change who she is. She's at the very end. She doesn't see herself as any of that. She just sees herself as a soldier and she can't be a soldier anymore. She, she doesn't know who she is. So a lot of this journey is her just trying to figure that out. I, I'm very excited to follow Bibi's story as it progresses with with the Dead Lucky. But that's that's not the only book that you're working on. 
in the yeah. massiverse. And and it's fun because we're kind of bringing this full circle here because Megan from Hyperforce RPG yeah. is going to be co-writing Radiant Pink, yes. which is going to be coming out. Yes, we're so like I'm so stoked. I love Megan. Megan is probably the closest friend I made on Hyperforce, which I did not expect. Um, <laughs> her and Sandra also are very close. They are both from the same like little city in San Francisco, basically, and they like discovered that and became like bosom buddies for life. <laughs> and um, and so the opportunity it, and it was had nothing to do with either of us. Like she became friends with Kyle too, um, and so when Kyle was on Hyperforce. And Kyle was looking for people when he tells these radiant origin stories, he always looks for somebody um, different than himself, which I credit Kyle for incredibly. Like he gives platforms to these other artists and, you know, he did, uh, he co-wrote radiant red with Cherish Chen, that one origin story. And now she, she went on to do her own mini series. And so radiant pink, he co-wrote with Megan and it's very heavily inspired by her life as a streamer. And, um, which I know intimately, uh, because she's a good friend of mine and I know it is a chaotic, crazy world and she works very, very hard. And, um, so the opportunity came up to do this book with her. And of course I said, yes, how do you not? Um, and it's, it's a blast to be able to work with Megan and, um, and it's such a different book from dead lucky that it's just, you'd bring Megan's chaos and creativity to it and like she comes up with she's so freaking funny she's very um, funny. but she's also very different than me in the demons that she deals with and the um the stories she wants to tell we're both Latinos she's also mixed you know yeah. so um but Eva is a Latina and so we're able to tell this l story about a Latin superhero again but she's so different than Bibi you know she's a streamer she's trying to be everything for everybody it doesn't know how to just stop and take care of herself and I feel like we do that so often in the world especially as creatives like we go 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 so just trying to make it to the next thing especially in this world post-pandemic we're just trying to survive not realizing that we're going to burn ourselves out and then when we do everything that we worked for just falls apart because we can we, we just collapse and so we're really interested in, in, in telling a story about Eva in that she just, she literally burns herself out <laughs> and gets herself in a situation that she doesn't, has never been in before. And uh, we kind of take away the streaming part of her and force her to kind of deal with her identity of who she is aside from that. And we get to do it in a really fun, like in, Bill and Ted meet sliders kind of way. Yes. Um, Kyle and Michael are, are being really cool in allowing us to like go to different worlds and be as crazy as we want to be. And we want to like Eva is chaos. We want chaos in these books. And um, and I just I'm really excited. We have Emma Kubert as an artist who is incredible and um and an amazing colorist and Becca's back to letter. And it's just going to be so much fun. We, the first script is done. We're working on the second and it is literally like the stuff that comes up in Megan's head. It just like, sometimes I'm like, wow. Okay. Um, but I think we work well together because I, I put together, uh, we work together on a spine and then she's like, and then this happens. I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's make it make sense. But I love it. <laughs> So, yes it's been fun and i think it's gonna be a very different book from dead lucky which is good for me that, that's the fun thing is that all of the books within the massiverse are so different from one another but they, they mesh so well which is why i'm also extremely excited that we got the announcement that 
uh, Supermassive 2 is going to be yes. coming out. So all of these worlds are coming to play together again. I'm so stoked for Supermassive 2 because I didn't get to really be a part of Super. I got to write two pages on Supermassive yeah. and that was the, the last two pages. So they were just like, this is how it ends. Introduce your character. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so me and French uh, put that together very quickly. But, um, but this time we actually get to interact with people. And the story that we're thinking of doing is very different than Supermassive 1. And I think it's going to be a very unexpected direction. And, um, and I think having BB in the mix absolutely changes the chemistry and puts it in a different way. And even, you know, which rogue son are we going to see? Which, which Inferno go red? Like you just don't know. And I think that's, what's really cool about it. And I think we're going to have a really good time. I agree. The, the Massiverse is so unique because you have, you have so much fun to play with and it's continuously doing things that other comics aren't there. There's like the choose your own adventure storyline. That's going to be coming very soon. There's yeah, Ryan. Yeah. yeah. From Ryan. And then Kyle's working on that, that issue, introducing a new character where we're going to see four different eras of a character in one issue. I mean, we're so lucky because these guys, um, they've been working in comics for a very long time. They know the boxes. And when you know the boxes, you know how to break out of them and still make a story that sounds good. And I think Kyle, uh, especially, has always been a director at heart. And um, I think he's a director before he's a writer. And so that allows him to think outside boxes in very in really cool ways. And so he's already done it, you know, with the Blacklight Edition Yes. And with like he's selling radiant black bath bombs at one point. I mean, he even when we were on Power Rangers, he would come up to me and be like, I want to film a Power Rangers short. And we're like, uh, okay, can you do that? Like, yeah, I got it. I'm going to take care of it. And thankfully, we trusted him enough at that point to be like, okay, <laughs> go with God. I mean, I was there on set with him and he killed it. Um, and, uh, and, and Ryan, too. They're just brilliant, brilliant guys. They do things, um, they're so used, they know how the comic medium works and they also know how to subvert it. And, um, and thankfully, because these are creator own books, we can do that kind of stuff and we can play and, um, and we're all friends, which is really good. I mean, I think there's a big level of trust in all of us in that we like each other enough that we can play in each other's worlds and play and play with sandboxes and i mean just recently we had a really exciting conversation where i was talking about the next coming arc for bb and, and kyle's like well here's a character you might want to think about using and i'm like really i can use that character oh my god so, so cool. um yeah we're very lucky and um a lot of people will come up and ask us like how does this work like you guys there's not one person that owns the property i'm like well because we all like each other and we're not assholes <laughs> so i think that's all it takes <laughs> yeah that sounds like a good team yeah. Oh, well, it we've, we've gone on for over an hour. I don't want to keep you for too long, but th this has been so much fun getting to know a little bit more about what you're going to be doing with Power Rangers, how you're going to be building the, the Massiverse more with the Dead Lucky as well as helping out with Radiant Pink. So I just wanted to, if you have any social media that you would want people to follow you at, if there's anything else, any other news you wanted to share that you want people to know. <laughs> I'm at uh, Misty underscore Flores on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and in terms of other projects, I do have them and I'm very excited about them, but I can't talk about them yet. Of course not. <laughs> um, I, yeah, there's a couple that I, I'm really stoked about, but um, just like I couldn't talk about the Dead Lucky for nearly a year. Uh, the stuff takes time. Um, I'm on a full-time staff writer on a show that I'm really excited about. Um, 
but again, won't be announced for another few months. And, um, and there's some stuff I'm doing in the podcast space and I'm very excited about, but again, <laughs> I can't talk about it yet. Um, and some other television series and stuff that's been, that's been really fun. It's an, ex- I'm very lucky to be here and it's an exciting time for me. Um, so hopefully in the next few months you'll hear more. Amazing. I look forward to it. But as of right now, everybody go out, put the dead lucky on your pull list along with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, starting with, well, you should read all of Power Rangers, but especially issue 101, because that's when Melissa is going to be taking over. Uh, again, thank you so much for joining me. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. It's time to close the book on this interview with Melissa Flores. So until next time, this is Lance. And this is Melissa. Reminding you to keep your friends close. And your comic books closer.